And so we need to make some adjustments. We need to seek the Lord. And this message also will help us know what to do maybe when things are just not going right, uh, they don't feel right, they don't seem right, they don't look right. This will help us keep our eyes on the Lord. And I think this message will somewhat, uh, it will not only lead and direct us, but it probably will do a little, don't touch that. Don't do that. I mean, it's all over the word of God. I mean, if you never got that from the Lord, don't do that. You know, you don't know my God. Because believe me, we don't know what he knows. Here we go. Buckle your seat belts. Y'all want me to go through the whole little mass deal? Because some of y'all are going to need oxygen. You're going to need, you're going to need oxygen. The exit doors are right out here, right over here. Here's an exit door here. But when we're traveling at 30,000 feet in the spirit, don't jump out on us. Just, we're, we're going to land in a very practical way that you'll be able to apply this message. 1 Samuel 4, verse 2. The title of my message is, Sometimes It Takes a Breakdown to Have a Good Turnaround. <laughs> she's just been through something. That's very, I guess she's the only one. <laughs> Maybe the rest of us are going through it now. She went through it, came through it. The key is the breakthrough you get through. And so sometimes it just needs to be a breakdown before there's really a turnaround. Years ago, I was coming from uh, New Orleans, and for some reason, we needed to get back pretty quick. And so, yes, the speed limit was 75. I was doing 80. And so that's breaking the law, but I'm just confessing my sin to you. So you got to forgive me. I already asked for forgiveness. But when I got back here, I was going to my daughter's house, and when I pulled in the driveway, the driveway had an incline. And so when I pulled in, I had a Sequoia Tundra. You know, real men have Toyota's trucks. Real men. Anybody else, they got Rams, they got Dodgers, they got Chevrolets, and you know, Ford. But real men have Toyotas. So anyway, I'm in my Sequoia, and when I turn to go, up the driveway, there was a lot of pressure put on that wheel going up. And when I turned, the axle on the front wheel, the, the snub where the tire goes on, the steel, it just broke on a Toyota. <laughs> but Toyotas don't start like this. This is how a Dodge starts. They used to anyway. Dodge the Dodge. That's all I got to say. <clears throat> Man, that blew my whole message because the weight and the value of this message was on the truck. <clears throat> but nothing's perfect in this world. So anyway, and plus it had like a lot of mileage. I had a T100 Toyota with 400,000 miles on it. It didn't leak any oil like your new cars, and there wasn't a light on the dash coming on. 
uh-huh, uh-huh. Stick that in your pipe and smoke it. So anyway, the axle broke off. So I had to call a wrecker because the tire was under the, the, uh, the vehicle. You know, I couldn't move. It broke. The tire fell off. And so when the wrecker came, I asked the guy, I said, man, I just came from New Orleans. And I said, I was going 80 miles an hour. And I said, what would happen if that thing broke? He looked at me and said, you die. You asked Susan. I don't know if it was that day or the next day, we went by a brand new Toyota. <laughs> was it a Toyota? A Nissan. Oh, we bought a Nissan. Oh. Because <laughs> those people love their Toyotas. They like put the big price on it. But my point was, I have a new respect for the highway and speed since I had a breakdown. So I had a turnaround in my thinking because of my breakdown. Anybody ever learned something going through something? Please don't go through something and it's horrific and don't come out on the other side not learning something. I mean, my God, if you've got to go through it, and everyone will, there's trials and tribulations in this world. Please get with the Lord. Let him instill some things in you because when we're going through those things, we actually need him. We know we need him. And he has our attention. We're like a captive audience. Okay, so here we go. Samuel, 1 Samuel, verse 4. Then the Philistines put themselves in battle array against Israel. And when they joined battle, Israel was defeated by the Philistines who killed about 4,000 men. That would be more than half of Plaquemine. You know, we read these stories about people dying because they're doing the wrong thing and we, we don't even count their life. It's just like a good story. 4,000 people died because they did something wrong. And we're going to hear about what they actually did wrong. 4,000 men of the army in the field. And when the people had come into the camp, the elders of Israel said, boy, is this a picture of us right here. Why has the Lord defeated us today because of the Philistine? Why did God allow this? You know, when we're successful, we forget God. Isn't that right? I mean, I'm a pastor, I know. I've watched people prosper in this church and how they just forget God. But you know what? When we fail, you know what we do? We blame God. So God gets a bad rap from the world and even from the church at times. And it ought not be. And in themselves, they feel somewhat defeated, but not in God's eyes. It's in their own imagination that they are defeated now. And then we'll see how they come out of this. Well, they really don't come out of it. This is what they say. Now, now this is typical too. This is the elders. So when there's a problem at the top, 
there's going to be a problem at the bottom. Matter of fact, if, if the mature or the elders or the priest of the household or the boss or the pastor or the leadership, if they don't do things right, people hurt for it. People are damaged. People are injured. People are offended. And so that's not our thing we want to do, but we have to do things the way the Lord wants them to be done, and then God will take care of everyone under us. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way, but, you know, we have places of authority and places in business, household, and everything else. So your place and position is very important because it will affect someone else. Just listen to this. Let us bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord from Shiloh to us. There ain't no God in that at all. Let, let us go get God and get him on board what we're doing. Let's go, go to Shiloh, get the Ark of the Covenant and bring it to us that when it, I read that, when it comes among us, it may save us. That's pretty bad when you start calling the power in the presence of God an it and you just put it in the category of everything else. That it may save us from the hand of our enemies. How many of you know if you serve in the Lord and you're doing it respectively and you're doing it in a reverent way, your enemy is the Lord's enemy. What happened in this story, they took matters in their own hands. They took for granted the Ark of the Covenant. They literally put God in a box. And they put more value on the box than God. They were trusting something God created rather than the Lord himself. We can do the same thing here. A lot of people trust in me. I mean, I want you to trust me, but I'm not your Lord. You know, a lot of people won't come to church until they hit rock bottom thank God come but then once they're successful you understand they forget God so their plan their go-to plan was always get the ark of the covenant and a lot of people's go-to plan is when things get bad get in church get back in church I hear so many people say man I did so good while I was in church I'm like what did you say? Well, I did so good because I was in church, in the word, in fellowship, hearing, you know, seeing, association. I was doing so good when I was in church. Anybody ever heard the term falling away? You, you know what you're falling away from? The word, the fellowship, the corporate anointing, the power of togetherness. Come on. That, that's what you fall away from. And what do you fall in? Everything out there. So now your mind, your vision, everything is being talked to by things, other voices and other things out there. That's why you get pulled away. I just don't feel like going to church anymore. You know, and it happens all the time. I don't feel like reading the word anymore. I don't feel like praying anymore. If you're too busy to pray, you're too busy. Make a change, make a shift. If you're too busy to get with the Lord personally, Make a change, make a shift. 
If you're too busy to meet together with your brothers and sisters, make a change, make a shift. Oh, I can't guarantee a whole lot. Of course the Lord is sovereign. You know, governments are sovereign, but you can't leave the borders open. You can't just say, well, do whatever you want. You can't not say nothing because something's going to happen even though the country is sovereign. Well, God is sovereign, but we have to have borders on our life. There's things we can do, there's things we shouldn't do. There's things that God has already set up for us to be involved in. So the Ark of the Covenant, Ark of the Covenant became this ultimate good luck charm. I mean, y'all know they brought it to the, the walls of Jericho. The walls just tumbled. And, the, you know, they were victorious. Y'all know what I'm talking about. But they started worshiping the God they put in the box and not the Lord himself. So they had this wrong imagination about the presence of God. Come on, somebody. They looked to the, law, the, the ark, which was important. It did have significance to save them, not the Lord himself. Their faith was now in what God created for himself. And he gave it to them, but they were not worshiping him. 1 Samuel 4, 4. Wake your neighbor up. Hit him hard because you have to have this. Say, wake up. Punch him. Slap him. They wake up. So the people sent to Shiloh, they never inquired of the Lord. The elders, they never sought the Lord. They didn't pray. So, they, so the people sent to Shiloh that they might bring from there the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of hosts, who dwells between the cherubim and the two sons of Eli, Hopinai and Phinehas, were there with the Ark of the Covenant. Now, if you don't know those three guys, they are a mess. This is part of the leadership of the so-called move of God. This is the elders, the mature. At this time, Israel had become complacent, rebellious. They were not seeking the Lord. Eli was the priest. He's the one that stood before God on behalf of the people so the people could have favor and prosperity from the Lord and he was failing really bad. The Bible says that Eli was old. He was 98. And I'm not looking at that in the physical. I'm looking at it. You know, he's been around this thing a long time. He ruled as a priest for 40 years. And he's gotten somewhat complacent. And then you got his two crazy sons that are desecrating the offering, that are doing things that are forbidden. And if you do it, it hurts people. And then it opens a door for the enemy to come in and trash everybody. And so up until this time, Israel was not losing anything. I remember years ago when I played football, 6th grade, 7th grade, 8th grade, ninth grade, 10th grade, 11th grade, I'm telling you, we never lost. I didn't know what losing was. We won every game for six years. I never knew what losing was. And so the next, no, that was five years. 
So the next, nope, that was six years, but the last game of that sixth season, we played Ascension Catholic of Donaldsonville. We looked like midgets next to them. And you know what we did? We, we got kind of complacent. We didn't practice. We got this thing. Confidence, overly confident that we don't lose. We got this thing. And I'm telling you, those boys came out of some cornfield somewhere. <laughs> I don't know. These guys were giant. I mean, as soon as they'd get off the line, boom, you on your back. I'm not kidding. They were hitting me so hard. I faked injury to get out. <laughs> they were knocking the pads off of me. And I faked my injury to get out because I, I didn't, I don't like to get, I don't like to hurt. And so the ones in there, they were knocking their pads off of them. They were coming on the, uh, 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 the sideline saying, give me your knee pad, man, I'm giving them a knee pad. Give me your hip pad, I'm giving them my hip pad. And next thing you know, the coach says, get back out there, butch. I ain't got no pads. We got overly confident and they ran over us. Just wrecked us, man. I was scared to death of these boys. Israel's wrong behavior and wrong attitude opened up the door for the enemy to attack. They didn't even realize what was going on in their life. They didn't know they departed from the Lord. That's, that's the thing. When you start, you know, not, if you look, I'm telling you, when you hot, you hot. When you're not, you're not. And when you call, everybody knows you call, and you're never forsaken as a saint. Is that a Christian? No, never even, not even a guess whether you're a Christian or not. Because when you hot, you hot. And when you hot, you know you hot. And when you hot and you know you hot, you ain't satisfied. You want hotter. You want more. You're not even content. I mean, really, that's when you hot. You, you, you hadn't arrived. you like, oh my God, I'm just tapping into this thing. They were cold. They were lukewarm. They were backsliding. They didn't even realize it. You realize if you cold, your children going to be cold. Not only will your children be cold, they'll be cold and corrupt. You're not excited about the things of God. You're not teaching your children. You're not showing them by your manner, your behavior, and your speech and your conversations. You're not showing them the God that you serve because you're cold. And I'm telling you, when you're cold, Jesus says you either be hot or cold. That means you need to be the extreme one way or the other. I just decided I'm going to be hot. Just, just, you understand. How do you get hot? Get around hot people. How do you start burning? Get around a fire. How do you get ignited? Get around somebody else that's burning. Somebody that's got some zeal and knowledge. We need knowledge too. She got by. We got a front row over here, got a little far. You know, the Bible talks about the tongue. It's like a match. Just one little spark will set a forest on fire. I want to be that match today. Lord, light me up. Lord, strike me. <laughs> speaking spiritually I don't want my clothes to catch on fire I don't like the way smoke smells no I'm talking about your spirit your spirit is the fire of God 
Your spirit is the candle of the Lord. Your spirit is the light of God. And he wants it fired up. 1 Samuel 4, verse 5. And when the ark of the covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted so loudly. That's what we were doing as a football team. Ha! We'd run through that paper on that field. I would kick off. I'm the first one down the field, and I mean I am like a bullet looking for who has the ball. We were overly confident. That's what they were right here. They shouted so loudly that the earth shook. Now when the Philistine heard the noise of the shout, they said, what does the sound of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews mean? Then they understood that the ark of the Lord had come into the camp. So the Philistines were afraid. Remember that. For they said, God has come into the camp. Now listen, the Gentiles, so to speak, the unbelievers are recognizing the presence of God, but Israel is not. They don't, they don't realize where they are. They got the box. The show goes on. It all looks good. And 4,000 4, men had died. They didn't consider the Lord. So they went to plan A again. They took things in their own hands and they really think the Lord's gonna help them. And they're not following him. They're not seeking him. They're not praying. You understand, they're totally off and they're just taken for granted. They're leaning on their own understanding that God's going to do what he's always done. Ask Samson about it. He broke those ropes twice. And the third time, the anointing was not on him. The Spirit of God is like, you know what? I'm not in this anymore. And then he got caught with his drawers down, but basically. In a bad place, a bad time, in a wrong position with the wrong person, and God wasn't happy. And this is what they say. God has come into the camp, and they said, Woe to us, for such a thing has never, ever happened. Now you understand. The unbelievers are afraid and the believers are overly confident that God's going to do what he always does. Let me tell you something. God don't do what he always does. You understand? You start leaning on your experience with God, next thing you know, he ain't there no more. That was one of the biggest failures of my ministry. I would minister to someone in a certain way and with scriptures but I didn't realize the next person is not that person. And the Spirit of God wanted to deal with them maybe a different way. So if I just applied what I applied to him here, you understand, and not led by the Spirit, it's just another religious thing. It's a professional counseling. And that person don't fall in the same data or doesn't fulfill or can receive even what I'm telling this man. Are y'all getting that? Sometimes there must be a breakdown before there is a turnaround. Listen, when I went to college, I was not overly confident. I was like, this is going to be hard. I had to study really hard Why everybody else went in the ballrooms and did what they did. I had to stay home and study because I wanted to pass my test. I was not overly confident. Now listen, I'm saying, you know, we're confident in the Lord, but don't get too confident in yourself. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. 
And so when everybody else was playing around and doing all the wrong thing, I was at home studying because I knew. You, you understand, when you don't know it all, it kind of keeps you in a place in relying on the Lord. Once you got it all figured out, you don't need nobody else. We can kiss your toe and call you Lord. But if you constantly are relying on the Lord because he's moving and he wants us to live outside of our limitations, isn't that right? I'll say it again. Sometimes there must be a breakdown before there is a turnaround. 1 Samuel 4.10. So the Philistines fought and Israel was defeated. They didn't inquire of the Lord. They didn't pray. They were lazy. They were self-confident. They figured they'd do it their own way, the Burger King thing. And every man fled to his tent. Now they're running scared. Now the Philistines were afraid, but now God's people are afraid. There was a very great slaughter. Listen to this. And there fell of Israel 30,000 foot soldiers. How many of y'all know it would have paid, it would have been a good investment just to seek the Lord? Examine yourself. Lord, are, are we okay? You know, you meeting with the Lord all the time, you know if you're okay or not. When you're looking at the Lord eye to eye, meeting him intimately, you understand, he will never, ever let you get in a prideful place. If you're meeting with him, if you pull away, I'm telling you, pride will rise. And the casualties of pride, oh my God, everywhere. There was a very great slaughter and there fell of Israel 30,000 foot soldiers. That's one third of LSU football stadium when it's packed out. What are you going to do with 30,000 people? 30,000 men. That means you got 30,000 families. That means you got hurting wives. That means you got uh, children with an absent father. Can you imagine all the dogs they got to take care of now? I just threw that in there because people like dogs. You'll feel more sorry for the dogs and all the people in the family. I know how you are. <laughs> I'm trying to make a point. It was horrific. 30,000, you imagine how many funerals? How many counseling sessions? Just wrecked because the church did not seek the Lord. Now this should speak to us about our own families. This should speak to us about our destinies, what God is calling us to. This should speak to our leadership and our pastors. This should speak to the whole praise team that your life matters, that your life will have a, an effect on someone. God will never ever honor selfish desires. We honor him. It's amazing how we invent. This is me, I'm, 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 I'm accusing myself. I've done the same. We will invent thousands of ways and ideas how to get out of trouble. Huh? More money is usually the key. I mean, if I just had more money. Let me tell you, I've seen more people in this place that ain't had a pot to pee in and got a lot of money and the money became their God and they ended up worse than what they started with. So it's not money. It's not your education. I thank God for all of that. It's not who you know or what you know. 
It's not your place, position, or your possessions. Thank God for all of that. It's us leaning on the Lord. The Bible says, seek first. First seek the kingdom of God, and he'll add to you. Is that what it says? No, it doesn't. It says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then he'll add to you. So we seek him for his way. And his righteousness is the right way of doing things according to God's purpose, according to God's plan, according to his will and his word. They literally put God in a box and wanted God to fight for them and they were not following him. Come on, let's just be real. If you're not going to serve the Lord, he will always love you. And, and that matter of fact, if you don't serve him, he's not going to come after you. The devil is. My God's a good God. You, you, can, you, can, you can walk your way straight to hell and God will still love you. The only thing is, when God can't help you, the devil takes advantage of the state that you put yourself in. If you violate the word of God, there will always be a consequence. Just, just remember that. If you violate the word of God, well, we're going to get married. We're living together. If you violate the will of God, there will be a consequence to you and probably those coming after you. You hold bitterness, unforgiveness in your heart, and somebody tells you you need to repent, you need to forgive them, and you say, I don't feel like it. I can't. I don't feel like it. There's a consequence to that. Thank God for God's grace, but it's always a choice. Jesus said you either, you either make the tree good or you make it evil. And so there's always a choice. And oftentimes, us, us in church, that's plural for us, us, us in church, we can clean the outside of the cup, but the inside of the cup ain't right. <laughs> if we don't follow him, we're sure to fail. We're sure to fail. It, it may last a while, but we need God because we want to please him. See, success is pleasing him, not our flesh. Success is pleasing him, not how much is in our bank account or who we know or the positions we have. True success is pleasing our Father in the name of Jesus via the Holy Spirit through the working and the equipping of the church of Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. So let me tell you what happens after this because it gets worse. They lose the battle. Y'all have to really, you think your life is bad? You think you're running into trouble? You think things are hectic in your life? Listen to what I'm about to tell you. So Eli, the priest, sent the presence of the Lord. Now, I don't know, seems like he should have went himself, but he did. He sent, and so he's sitting back at the ranch thinking. All he's thinking is, is about the presence of God. All he's thinking about is the ark of the covenant of the Lord. That's all that's on his mind. And so all of a sudden, after this battle, one little Benjamite got away. The Bible said he was sweaty. He had dirt on his head. He was a mess. He ran back in the city. He started telling everybody in the city what had happened the devastating thing that just happened. The people started weeping and crying and Eli, Eli heard the cries of the people. So all he's thinking 
is the Ark of the Covenant. I never want to lose the presence of God. I'm like David. Take not your spirit from me. Cast me not away from your presence. We lose that. We lose his word. We lose a hunger for his word. We are out of this game. The enemy comes in and he just divides. So he's sitting, I guess, in his, on a bench or something. And this young guy runs up to him. And all he's thinking about is the Ark of the Covenant. And the guy says, we lost 34,000 people. This is a guy that's standing in the gap for the whole nation. 34,000 people. And I'm sure he's grabbing his chest. And it's like, no, 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 no. That's not it. Your two sons, they're dead. And he's wondering the walk of the Benjamite says they captured the ark of the covenant. The Bible says he fell back and broke his neck. That's where I got my, my points here. Sometimes things got to break down before there's a turnaround, but it doesn't end here. Then his daughter-in-law, she's pregnant. She's about to give birth to a baby. And then she's in the, I guess, the hospital or whatever you do in those days, the house. And she hears the cries of the people. All she's thinking about is the ark, the covenant, the presence of God. It's almost like they all knew we had pushed aside the presence and the power of God. It's almost like they knew that they had sinned or pulled away from the things of the Lord. So somebody comes in and they say, it's not good. She probably says, how bad is it? Well, 34,000 people Your husband's dead and his brother and your father-in-law. And of course, she's wondering, where's the presence of God? And they've captured the presence of God. And she's birthing the baby. How many of y'all know your situation can get bad? You don't keep your eyes on the Lord. So she's birthing this baby. It's not, that's not the end of it yet. She dies. You see the death involved? Because of a few elders. A few people took matters in their own hand. You know, a husband takes the matters in his own hand and don't follow the ways of the Lord. There's generational things that can begin to happen. Everybody suffers. Before she dies... She names her baby Ichabod. It means the glory of God has departed. Don't ever name your present situation or it'll get in your future. Don't go by what you're looking at. And I know it's not good. 
And I know it's devastation since I started telling this story. But there's always life after death. The woman dies. She births this baby. This baby is named because of her present state. I'm telling you, we start describing things in our present state. And we start labeling people. And we start saying the wrong thing when things start to hit us. And the challenge is so horrific because we take our eyes off of the Lord. Don't ever let your present situation claim your future. So I found something in the New Testament that can help us. That's, isn't that a terrible story? I mean, how can it get any better? Well, you got to go to the light of the gospel in the New Testament. And there was this young man, probably looked like Jason right there. And there was this little lady, probably looked like Macy. Their names were Mary and Joseph. And they decided, we're going to get hooked up. And they made arrangements to get married. Somebody say, that's a good thing. Joseph knew you find a wife, you find a good thing. But anyway, they get hooked up. They make the plans. They got everything scheduled. She leaves for three months. She goes to see her to see Elizabeth. And while she's over there, something happens. She gets pregnant. I don't know if it happened in the beginning or the end, but just imagine you can spot three months of pregnancy. Some more than others. <laughs> Susan went up to a lady one day in church and she just put her hand on her stomach and just kind of rubbed it. Didn't know the lady and said, when are you due? And the lady fire came out of her eye. She ran out of church. She ain't never talked to us again. We need the wisdom of God. So anyway, Mary, Mary, Mary and Joseph were never, as soon as I see a pregnant woman and you kind of don't know, you know what I'm saying? I said, no, 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 don't go there. Leave it alone. If they don't see my baby, if they don't say my baby's coming, they don't give a due date, do not pet their stomach. <laughs> I'm getting to something good. So Mary and Joseph are going to get married. She goes away for three months. She comes back. She's pregnant. And of course, he probably like, uh-huh. She said, we need to talk. He's like, uh, I think we do. I really think we need to talk. And so they talk. You know what she says? I've been with an angel. You're right. I bet he just had an Ichabod moment right there. I bet the glory of the Lord just left that relationship. Y'all know, Ica, 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 I can't believe you did that. Just be, you're not seeing things right. Just like the Israelites were not seeing things right. They didn't know they were slipping away. Joseph probably didn't see it right. It looked like it's all over. The situation is beyond me, bigger than me. He had an icky Mickey moment. <laughs> and this is, what, this is what Mary did. No, no, it's not icky Mickey. It's, e it's Emmanuel, God with us. Not the glory of God departing from us, God is with us. So I don't care how you feel, what you're going through, what you've been through, what people said, while you messed up, it don't have to be an icky-bicky moment. It can be an Emmanuel. 
God is with you. And God is for you. Wasn't that good? So I want to show you all the end of this story. Samuel 7, verse 3. So Samuel comes on the scene. They've done it all wrong. Now, young Samuel, the prophet, comes on the scene. The word, the living word, the spoken word, the way, the will of God came on the scene in the flesh, type of Jesus. Then Samuel spoke to all the house of Israel, saying, if you return, I looked up that word, it really means that you come to a breaking point. It, it means that you can't go any further in this direction. We know the word repent, but if you return, that means you come to a breaking point. Anybody ever come to that place? You just had enough, that's how you got saved, you had enough. Whatever was going on in your life or in your mind or the condemnation, the guilt, the shame, it's just something happened and you had enough and then you cried out to God and Jesus showed up. If you return to the Lord with all of your heart, so you actually at a breaking point, but you come back to the starting place, like the new beginning. Everybody say new beginning. Notice, up till now, there's nothing but destruction and defeat. We can apply this to our lives. And I know everyone here hasn't, you know, you're not defeated in every area of your life, but there are areas of our life that we're defeated in. And I'll tell you, there's a lot of people in church today, not so much this church, but they just got this non-victorious spirit. Just a bad attitude. And I'm telling you, you need to shake that thing. That's the icky-bicky spirit. You need the Emmanuel spirit. You, you, don't need, you know, always fussing, always fighting, always accusing, always making excuses the church ain't right and, and listen it's all it's in a lot of Christians today you know the glory of God has left our country the glory of God has left our school the glory of God has left our church where's the revival when is it going to happen just this icky mickey hickey shicky hickey honda what about Emmanuel in us what about God is for us and not against us everybody's dead at this point <laughs> I mean, 34,000. Eli the priest stood in the gap for everybody. His two sons, because he wouldn't correct them. You cold, you ain't going to correct your children. They'll be corrupt. He wouldn't correct his children. You know, there's people in the church today. They can tell you what they know, but they can't do it. They can teach you something, but they can't do it. They'll tell you to get your life in order, but their life is not in order. Come on, somebody. Anybody ever do that to you? You're like, what are you saying? What authority you have, dude? What's up with you? So we need to practice some of this on ourselves. God is for you. God wants to lead you. God wants to, uh, I mean, God wants to put all of himself in you, including wisdom and knowledge and understanding and his counsel and his might and his power that we can actually walk in a victorious way. But up to this point, all destruction, all defeat, and there wasn't any restoration or victory until there was a breakdown. You know, when Kevin got saved, he finally admitted he's a drug addict. 
You know how you got saved? You finally admitted you're a sinner. Some husbands decided to be a good husband too late. Some wives decided to be a good wife too late. Some people decided not to be a good Christian. It was too late. I'm telling you, there's a too late in this world. You can play around with the things of God. This, this is a good story. You may make it. And people will just be so stubborn. The casualties of being stubborn. I got it together. Your life don't, your mouth is speaking a lot louder than your life is. We have to examine ourselves. Quit pointing the finger. You know, Jesus accused those Pharisees. He said, man, you strain at a gnat, you swallow a camel. You're trying to get the speck out of somebody else's eye, and you got a log in your own eye. We need to look at our lives. Are we doing it right? And you know what? If you're going to examine yourself, you're going to give yourself an A+. plus. <laughs> Isn't that right? We're, we're our best critic. I mean, in a good way. We commend ourselves. Everybody's dead. Now listen to this. Now they're ready to listen. There's something about it in the breakdown. And I know everybody's broken in an area. I'm serious. There's an insecurity or something. You know, because God's working on us all in a lot of different areas. You know, I might have my marriage perfect. And you're, you may struggle, but you're still married. You know, our finances may be just right. And you may struggle there. And so we're at different places. But whenever you're at a breaking point, you're at a listening point. So Samuel comes on the scene and he, he just begins to tell them, he said, you need to return to the Lord with all of your heart. When you come to God, you come all to God. When you come out, you come all out. You understand? When you come away, you come away from everything. When you get in, you get in neck deep. Put away foreign God. See, they will mix in things little bit of this, a little bit of that, little world, little that. And it just, it, all of a sudden, they're lukewarm. And they're being deceived and they're falling away. Put away the foreign gods. Prepare your hearts and serve him only. Serve him only. Don't give yourself away to anybody else. You know what I mean? I love my wife. I've given myself to my wife, but I'm serving God. Prepare your hearts for the Lord. How do you prepare your heart? Well, put your pride down. Humble yourself. Come out the valley. If it's crooked, make it straight by the word of God. If it's rough, find out what God says about it and smooth that thing out. Serve him only. And he will deliver you from the hand of the Philistine. So the children of Israel put away the bales and they served the Lord only in the and Samuel said, gather all of the people, basically. Let's skip down a little bit. And the Bible says they fasted that day 
and said there, we have sinned against the Lord. That's true repentance right there. And Samuel judged the children of Israel at Mesbath. Now the Philistines, listen to this, heard that the children of Israel had gathered together at Mesbath, and the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the children of Israel heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. This might bust you up a little bit, but some fear is good. Not the spirit of fear. If we fear the Lord, is that good fear? If we reverence things. I, I, I worked along the Mississippi River for a long time. I respect that river because I know people that drowned in the river, so I really respect those things. So I have a, a good fear about things. You don't want fear driving the car. You want that fear in the car. And so there's some things we just have. Fear will make you cautious. Fear will have you better plan. I'm going to fail out of college. I, I mean, a fear came on me. I don't want to do that, so it made me study. And so I'm going to say it again. This is a good fear. It's not the spirit of fear that puts you in bondage or have it under your control. And so then this is what it said. This is what they said. See the contrast of where they were to where they are now? Now they're seeking the Lord. Now they're repenting. They're returning to the Lord. Now they're giving themselves all to the Lord. They're preparing their heart. And then the Bible says, this is what they cry. Do not cease to cry out to me, to the Lord, our God for us. They're talking to the word. They're talking to the prophet. Pray for us. We need you. We don't want to mess up again. That he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. So the contrast is we need to always know where we are spiritually. And I'm telling you, you need people in your life that can tell you. I, I'm going to tell you the truth if you're in my church. I, I mean, if, and if you can't receive from me, you're not a son and daughter of this church. I'm not going to call you what the Bible calls you, but I, I was the same way. If I couldn't receive from my mentor, if I couldn't receive from my pastor, you understand? Then I'm not a part of the house. And if you're going to run when you're chasing, there we go again. This is the place to get it right. I think seriously, and I'm not making excuses, but God just keeps us small. So we have to deal with each other. You can't hide in this church. You can sit on the front row property of the river, or you can sit in the cheap seats in the back, but you can't, you can't get away. It's, it's the words always challenging us. The words always dealing. I love it. I love it. Man, I love when I, I get it all right and Susan and I sitting down and I mean, I just feeling so good about myself that I hit a home run and I, I would say, I'm scared to say, Susan, how did I do? I'm just scared to say it. And so I said, Sue, how was it? Well, you need to do this and you need to do that. And you know what? She's usually right because I wouldn't go there because I like myself and my flesh way too much and it hurts when it comes at you out of somebody else's mouth. We need each other. We need the leadership in this church. You know, I've, I've been talking to Miss Shelley. They're coming with us to uh, Costa Rica, so we're excited about that. Uh, Miss Shelley has 
been helping us with prayer and all the ladies have told me. She's a little firm. Don't put up with stuff. I'm the same way. I love people. I love people till they hate me and still love them. But I don't want people to go through the pain that the people of God went through in this life. I don't want people dying off in your family. I don't want people hurting around you because we did something wrong. We did something that was not according to the plan of God. I believe if we would do this this morning, come out of your high seat in the business area. Just come through the curtain. These people fell because pride rose up. Pride comes before a fall. The Lord resists the prideful. It's, it's not that he gets on them, it's just he can't help them. So they open the door, the enemy comes in and just wreaks havoc. We are praying for everybody in this church that you not only, I mean, making it is one thing. We want you to be successful. We want you to live the word that's had been pronounced on your life. Whatever place, whatever position, whatever maturity level and capacity you are supposed to have in the Lord, we are your best cheerleaders. We are wearing your jersey for your family, for your household, for your business. We want you to have God's very best, but we need to work together. In Jesus' name, amen. What do we do with that? If you put, if you've taken matters in your own hands and something going on right now, you know you have. You just, you took matters in your own hand. It's time just to repent. Just get it right. It's easy to point. It's easy to make excuses. It's easy to blame shift. God's wanting us to be real. Is your heart right between you and God? Maybe you're here today and you, you're not right with God. You need to get right. Just get right with the Lord. This is serious. I'm telling you, when God is telling you to do something and you don't do it, it's very serious. It's like my children. When I told them to do something and they wouldn't do it, there was consequences. Not that I didn't love them, but I want them to get it right in life, so I'm going to teach them something. And so the Lord wants to teach you something in what you confronted with. I don't know what's confronting you. I don't know what's standing before you. But God knows. And you need to get that icky-bicky spirit off of you in the name of Jesus and let Emmanuel inside of you live in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for everybody here this morning. I pray somebody laughed, somebody giggled. That's all good. But I pray that this word went beyond the heads of people in this fellowship hall. It went to their heart. It went to a place that they have to make a decision. It went to a place they have to consider some ways in their life. And so Holy Spirit, you're the one that convicts us and convinces us and leads us and guides us. 
So Lord, give everyone, Holy Spirit, give everyone a witness about things in their life, right or wrong. Let the witness of the fire of God alarm them if it may hurt them, the direction they're planning on going in. Let the fire of God say no, 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 stop, 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 stay, 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 don't, don't, don't. And if it's the fire of the will and the word of God into taking a step of faith in a direction that you're calling them to, let the fire say go for it, go for it, go for it. Step out of the boat, step onto the water, go for it, go for it, go for it. And I thank you, Lord, that this word did not fall on deaf ears, that people heard and will make the adequate adjustments to align themselves with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Brother, could you sing us like a worship song? If you have to go, you just kind of pull out, it's fine. But I feel like we just need to worship the Lord a little bit. Just something real simple, slow.